Hello, friends, and welcome back to Somebody Save Us. It's a Smallville retrospective podcast where each and every week we take a deep dive into an episode of the hit series Smallville. And this week we are covering episode 18 of season one, Drone, written by Michael Green and Philip Levens and directed by Michael Cattleman, all of whom we've seen in these credits before as they've sort of become series regulars. Um, and it originally aired on April 30th, 2002, and we'll be getting right into it right after this. Hey, Steve, how's it going? Uh, good. Third, third time's a charm, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are having technical difficulties today. Oh my god, like, I, my brain just died. Yeah, but your brain died, recording software is dying, our VoIP protocol is dying. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those days, it's, we're, we're obviously heading into Christmas and nothing wants to cooperate. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's, uh, false advertising, but okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we talked about that too, and it's definitely we're not both that. um, uh, <laughs> both Paul and myself are uh, a little um, let's say green and furry this yeah. time of year. A little Grinchy, a little Grinchy, a little Grinchy. Yeah, um, but it is what it is. Merry Christmas to you, or Happy Hanukkah, or well, happy, happy holidays, or whatever you. Uh, choose to celebrate if this time of year makes you happy please relish and enjoy um just don't include me <laughs> <laughs> just leave me the hell out of it <laughs> yeah i'll be sitting in a dark room by myself brooding if you don't mind uh, yeah well i mean we can we can send people out into the holidays with this one um it's not exactly it's not like the best gift you could ever receive in terms of smallville episodes but it's certainly an episode for sure. It's 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 an episode of Smallville, folks. Yep. It's an episode of television that was made. Yep, and it was made. And I don't know if anyone wants to admit that, but we're here right, to I'll, I'll be honest, I like it wasn't as bad as I expected. I know you had been trying to get through it for like a couple weeks or a week or whatever it was. So I was dreading it. I was like, oh, this is going to suck so badly. And I got into it and I was like, okay, there's too much going on, but yeah. it's not horrible. Uh, as far as like sw controlling swarms of bees episodes in the DC universe goes, this is about on par. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those. It's one of the rare times where we can actually say that this episode's A story is also its B story. Oh, yeah, that gif of all those like black kids, like you know the the big burn one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. If you can visualize, you can visualize that right now, right? Yeah, there. That's for yeah. Paul's pun. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Honey uh, Paul so, uh, is what we call him see, on the block. We'll see. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Uh, yeah, we're done. I'll. I will have a new co-host. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> Paul, no. you're fired for you're fired from the podcast that you started. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that it could only go that way. Yeah, well, could that's how that would go. 
Um, anyway, we should actually probably talk about the, the, yeah, how, this is how much we want to dig into this episode okay. is that we're about five minutes deep and we haven't even really mentioned it. All right. Yeah, let's get into this. Uh, so the cold open has kind of a fun song. Uh, it's Hot Action Cops, Fever for the Flavor. Okay. So as soon as it started, I was like, is this Limp Biscuit?" I don't know, but I'll be honest, I kind of dig it. And then not even like, I don't know, two minutes into the episode, the song lyric drops. That is, I got the fever for the flavor of the coochie. <laughs> and I've never felt more seen in my life. Uh, yeah. It, I was just like, they Move. played that shit on TV in the 90s. Like, we're just going to talk about eating pussy. Yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> Mood. So, uh, yeah, so we, but we, uh, we kind of follow a bee as it's flying around through kind of a scene. Um, it's kind of outside the school. We see that it's uh, election time at, at Smallville High. Um, and as uh, Chloe kind of enters frame, we lose sight of the bee. Um, and she's kind of shooting footage just kind of around this kind of uh, like the, the, I guess the main kind of quad, I guess, of the, of the school, just trying to get a quote from Sasha, who obviously is, she sees, uh, I, I mean, she's seen as kind of a front runner or at least one of the candidates. Um, this is the mean girl. Uh, no, she's like the, uh, like she's the, the B girl. Um, oh, okay, okay, okay. She's the first person, and Chloe, and she kind of admonishes Chloe for like getting ahead of herself right now. But, uh, and then Chloe goes over to talk to Pete to get his read on everything. And Pete is basically like, oh, for sure, uh, Felice is gonna win because she's the hot girl. Um, which, and, yeah, so I mean, let's be honest. I, I mean, I don't know about the high school you went to, the high school I went to. Actually, no, now that I think about it, my high school was pretty responsible as far as like student body president we did elect like a, a an honor student and, and it wasn't like necessarily a popularity thing she was a popular person but she wasn't like prom queen popular you know what i mean yeah and, and for me it was a totally a different thing because there was like a school council that was elected and basically it was all the same kids that were in the 4-h club so it doesn't oh. you know yeah it, it sounds it was sounds like a fix lame. was uh was yeah. vladimir putin involved uh, I believe he was. Uh, he was just getting. God damn it, Putin! Yeah. Every time. Mm -hmm. Except for uh, well, I, 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 at that time, I believe we were we were more worried about. I guess it would have been whoever was Russian president at that time, but I don't think it was Putin at that time. Anyways, we're getting way the fuck off track. But anyways, um, so Felice is this uh, other candidate and she comes over and wants to know why Chloe isn't taking pictures of her because of course that would be her concern. Um, and clear, clearly Chloe has like no respect for this trick at all, but is trying to be like, look, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just here, you know, covering the, the issues and all this other stuff. And uh, Felice kind of in a not so veiled threat, suggests that uh uh like paul chan the other guy maybe drop out of the race if he knows what's good for him because he's kind of standing there laughing about chloe dunking on felice 
and we don't get we don't get very much of this dude in this episode but uh spoilers uh he's kind of you know the dark horse yeah it's very weird that he like he's got maybe two scenes in the whole thing but he's actually a pretty important character all the way throughout yeah i mean he gets he, he comes up a lot um we actually uh after that scene we we cut to him at home he's printing off his flyers and his posters for uh for his election run and uh so he seems kind of satisfied with his work and he gets up to go wash up presumably getting ready for bed or whatever and we see like the first thing we see is he's drying his face with a towel and he's got bees. There's a couple bees on there. And then he opens up his like, uh, like medicine cabinet or, or, or whatever. And there's a few more. Um, and as he's closing that, we hear him kind of exclaim in like pain and then a bee fall into the sink. And then he's like pulling the, the stinger out with some tweezers and that like that, that fucking hurts. Like getting, just getting stung in general. I don't think I've ever been stung by a bee. I've only I've only been stung in the last like three years once. I can say that um, I, I have a sister, older sister, who was at one point in time little kids. I don't even know if I was born yet, um, but she was uh, stung. I want to say uh, at least dozens, if not hundreds, of times um, mm. by uh, one of my. I want to say my aunt kicked or stepped on a uh, uh yellow jacket hive or, or nest mm, right. and uh they fucking went right after my sister and the only thing they could do to save her and like she's a, like a little girl like let's say toddler is they threw her into a lake <laughs> 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 so i don't even she probably couldn't swim at the time but it's like well she gets either fucking like stung to death or she you know or she learns to swim right sink, fucking now sink or swim so um, so yeah, I mean, I laugh about it now, but she's like literally deathly allergic to bees to this day. So, oh my god, that's like a that's a my girl situation, except for it went okay. Yeah, she survived. She's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, bees. Fuck. And oh man, I fucking I just, wasps are. I fucking hate them, man. They're such hateful fuckers. Insects. They're just for the most part really kind of uh weird they're they're just assholes most of the time um but uh like he gets he's kind of occupied with that but then he hears a sound behind him in the uh uh in his like tub and we get kind of like a fake out where he goes over and he opens it up and there's nothing there um but then he's hearing like a rattling coming from the sink and we see like him look down and there's like a drain eye view of like a drop of water. I actually really like that shot. Yeah. I liked it. I mean the, for whatever reason they felt the need to, I mean, obviously they couldn't put a camera in a drain, but they should have done that because the, the CG water droplet kind of looked like shit, but. Oh, we missed something. What before this whole bathroom scene, he's Hmm. designing campaign posters yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the campaign poster, he's essentially designed the Superman suit. Oh, yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. I was just like, oh, well, that's, uh, again, Smallville being subtle. Super yeah. subtle. Like, like nothing Clark does as Superman is original at all, apparently. He just steals he's, it all from his hometown. Stole, 
Well, I mean, there's there's stuff later on that Lex, uh, slogan Lex gives him later that he uses later too. But <laughs> um, and this kind of hints at a Superman slogan in this episode, but not entirely. Yeah, and that's somewhat political. We'll get to it when we get there. Yeah, um, but so we see a stream of bees um, come flying out of the drain, and like at this point. Because I it had been forever since I'd seen the episode. I just assumed this dude was dead. Me too. Um, it's a, in the, like, there's some... This is... I don't think anybody... Spoilers. I don't think anybody actually dies in this episode. But there's some grim shit in it. And like again, later on we'll get into it. Because there's something that's kind of actually totally horrifying. And I was like, wow. <laughs> it's like... But again, when we get there. Yeah. Uh... I don't know about you, but, like, when this happened, like, you got stung by the 1B, and then you're, like, you're kind of on edge, and you hear the drain rattling, I would have gotten the fuck out of there. I think at the very least, I would have looked for, like, the rubber stopper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's making some weird noises. In case it's, like, water bubbling up. Right. I'll just try to plug that for now. But, uh, yeah, like, I mean, that, I... I believe that is it for our cold open. Boo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hiss. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we uh, after the credits, it's back at school, and Clark and Chloe and Pete are making their way down the hallway, talking about the situation with the bee stings, and like wondering what's going to happen with this dude. And at least he's not dead. Like this is where we actually find out that he's in like. He's in pretty serious condition, but um, he's going to be all right. And uh, Chloe even thinks that he isn't even out of the race. Um, but that there should be a new candidate on the horizon. And we turn the corner and we find out that it's going to be Clark. And he's pissed. Yeah, he wants nothing to do with this situation. Yeah. And I legitimately, I was like, I'm 100% on Clark's side on this one. Yeah. You don't just volunteer your friends for shit like that without speaking to them, without knowing anything. Like, uh, I, so we, I guess we didn't explain to the audience, but Pete, Pete Ross, Clark's best friend, just all of a sudden decided to enter Pete or, or enter Clark into the running for class president. Yeah, just did it. And that's... Oh. um. I mean, obviously, Clark's like a secretive person. If you look at it, you could, you could, and it's no fault of his own, but you could kind of identify Clark as like an introverted person. And that's yeah, just like, I totally do. Like, you're just taking someone who's very private and just immediately saying, guess what? You're in the spotlight now and you better like it. Yeah. And, and Pete, yeah, does, no. like, Pete really like riles up the crowd there too. He's just like Clark, Clark, Clark. Yeah, they get, he gets everyone chanting his name, and Clark is just fucking embarrassed. That I being said, him. he does allow himself to get pulled into it though. He does. I think it's because there are kind of people thinking that he can't do it. I think that's I, what. Well, and then of course, I think the real reason is because Lana tells him, "Oh, you could, you'd probably do, you'd probably." Oh do yeah, one hundred percent. That's the thing that pushes him over the edge. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing, and someone says it in, in another. Like I, I'll paraphrase the quote, but someone else in the episode says it a little bit later. It's also paraphrasing it. I don't know what the exact quote is, 
but it's um i do kind of like that it's an idea or it's alluding to that like uh great men don't seek power great men generally just have power thrust upon them yeah yeah and that That's seems some... to be what this is because pete pete himself is like hey man i don't want to be class president but i do kind of want to be the power behind the throne i want to have that influence you know what i mean yeah so, so uh, we're going to go over to the Lex story such it is, as it is for this episode. And I think out of, at least from recent uh, history, like this is probably the weakest Lex story that there is. There's still like some stuff to chew on here, but it's pretty weak. It's, it's a little weird, but I think this continues or reoccurs at some point. Like, I don't think it picks up in the very next episode, but I'm almost sure that this character reoccurs at some point. Yeah, her name, uh, so Lex is speeding down the road, uh, and he comes across, like, a Mustang pulled over on the side of the road, and, like, a like a chick in red, um, with a equally red car, um, and so he pulls over, and she right away says, oh, I'm fine, but he calls his, uh, his mechanic anyway, just gets on, on the phone. Do you think there's anything in uh, any kind of subtext in that he's driving, uh, I want to say it's a Ferrari. Mm. I, I can't, I, I, I mean, I saw the symbol for just a second. I want to say it's a Ferrari. Um, mm. But I think Ferrari and Lamborghini both use horse. No, Lamborghini uses the bull, so it is a Ferrari. Yeah. So he's driving a Ferrari and she's driving a Mustang. Do you think there's anything yeah, Any subtext that? there? Yeah, any kind uh, of subtext, but wild horses... I don't know if it's really subtext, but I think it's um, it's very interesting here that uh, Lionel did a pretty good job because, like, well, I mean, it's kind of spoiling it, but um, he picked somebody who is a redhead, which Lex has a clear thing for based off of Victoria and other people in his life. And, you know, it's 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 a thing. It's his thing. He loves the redheads. Um, but he strikes up a conversation with her. Uh, but she's kind of just talking in circles a little bit. And he gets suspicious and reaches inside the car and it just starts. Yeah. And so there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. Which, yeah. I mean, I guess she was, because he does say something to the to the fact of, she's like, oh, no, you don't have to call your driver or anything. He's like, no, don't worry about it. Um, like, it's literally... A couple minutes away and he yeah. says something to the to the fact of uh on the road just outside the mansion yeah so she's kind of probably been sitting there waiting all day waiting for lex obviously got the short skirt and like yeah and and the fast car so on the side of the road she's gonna get lex's attention regardless of how fast he's driving yeah uh, my only note, like, I recognize this this woman. She's been in a lot of things, but my only note is really, uh, this woman's been in a lot of stuff, and uh, humana, humana, humana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he threatens to throw her keys into the woods to just kind of get her to to get keep talking or whatever. And uh, we learn that her name is Carrie Castle. Some more alliterative naming going on. Oh, I didn't uh, even bother to look that up. I should have checked that out to see if it was in DC lore. Yeah, I'm sure it has. I'm sure it is. It would at least be in Smallville lore and potentially maybe even into like the the Smallville season 11 comics 
Yeah. Well, or I mean, like, I mean, there's a lot of newspapers and whatnot in DC Universe, and she That's is a reporter, so it's possible that she's... Because, I mean, at some point, long time from now, we're going to meet Cat Grant. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, But, yeah, so, yeah, it... That's the kind of the for their kind of meet cute uh, in this episode. Um, and uh, back at school, uh, Sasha is kind of in a whirlwind and runs up to Clark and Chloe and asks whether Clark is actually running or not and confirms. He's just like, oh, yeah, no, I, I got put up to it by Pete. Don't worry about it. Uh, like Pete nominated me. But um, after... She says something about it being like, this is this is no joke, like this is a serious thing, blah, blah, blah. And then after she walks away, it seems like he's kind of, he's like a little defensive and he asks Chloe if she thinks he would have a shot if he did run. And her, uh, her response is, yeah, right after I'm elected head cheerleader. I think... Chloe's the got Nate. a lot of like disdain for and I mean like I guess I was the same way. Power structures in high school are fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um but Chloe like really hates um the jocks. Like, well, it's not even necessarily jocks but like pretty girls. Yeah. Or or maybe it's just the cheerleaders cuz I I was thinking back to the beginning of the season where like she just hated on Lana, but Lana was a cheerleader at the time too. So it's weird. Like the I, something I did notice, and I don't, I, I didn't write a note down about it, but I'm remembering is these first few scenes of the episode. Chloe's got some weird shit going on with her hair. Like, uh, it's it's her usual style, but then she's got bits of it that like are curled or something. And at first, like when I was like not paying super close attention to it, it just looked like she had had she was just having a bad hair day. But it's a very intentional thing, and it's just—it's only the first couple scenes. I didn't even notice. It's weird, um, but I—I I think she—it uh, changes when it's the next day or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it—it's definitely one of those things where Chloe, after after this Sasha chick was just kind of like, "Oh, phew, yeah, you're not really serious about running," and then Chloe kind of. Uh, told Clark he didn't really have a chance. He's kind of, I think he's already starting to lean a little bit toward maybe taking it a little bit more seriously. But then at home, the Kents actually think that running for student body president would be a good thing for him as like a school activity that wouldn't require him to use his abilities. Yeah, I, I mean, true, I guess. Yeah, and Jonathan, uh, Jonathan makes a, a, a like a point i think this gets to clark too where jonathan says that he could quit but that quitting is a pretty hard habit to break that's a great quote yeah that is a great quote and because like my note for that is uh maybe i should have li- i really should have been listening more to jonathan kent about 20 years ago <laughs> yeah yeah Again, like it because we're revisiting this, uh, I like even these episodes that are bad. I find like yeah, some of them I'm enjoying less, but I'm getting more out of them. 
and I might time. be, well, I mean, getting more out of him, but I might actually be enjoying them more. Like, I can totally see myself back when this first aired going, what a waste of time. You have so much potential with this show, blah, 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 blah. Like, just this yeah. smart-ass know-it-all. But now I'm just like, you know what? I've seen a lot of bad TV in the last 20 years, and this is at least something that, like, where I actually really care about the characters because I haven't seen them in so long. Yeah, and but and at that time too, you would have been your full attention would have been on the show because you wouldn't have been looking at a at your phone while watching it or like distracted by a bunch of other shit. You would have been okay. Well, I'm gonna sit and watch Smallville. Yes. And yeah. Not exactly. Really do anything else? So yeah. Um, but. I think the next scene is that uh, we're over at the Talon, and it seems that the the Talon's taking a taking a shit, like it's just like not it's not performing, and the beanery yeah, is trying to put them to out the of business. Beanery. Yeah, and the beanery is trying to be basically trying to been put them out of business, basically since they opened. Which I mean, Lana worked there briefly. Um. And uh, Lana, yeah, this is the scene also where Lana suggests that Clark could run for president because of the kind of innate sense of justice she sees in him. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, at, at that point, Clark is totally in. Mm-hmm. Um, not Lana, in, in the, the presidential race. Yes, because, he, yeah, he's not, in, he's not in Lana. No. no, clear that up. It's not that kind of show, and she's still dating Whitney. Who we see like once every 20 episodes, apparently. Well, I mean, he's, you know, he's like aging 10 years every time we see him too, but. And I suppose, <laughs> is his dad in Metropolis? Um, I don't know. Or is there a hospital? There must be a hospital in Smallville. There is. It's like the Smallville medic, 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 uh, like medical center. It's, it's not really a hospital. Like it's like a community hospital. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's where they took Ryan, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so back, I guess back over, so Clark kind of gets like, is zooming around everywhere. Like first he had that scene at home where he's uh, encouraged by his parents and then he's over at the Talon and then next he comes over to the mansion and like Lex does that thing where he's like pouring himself a drink and he like greets Clark before he's even turned around. Uh, and congratulates him on his uh, like candidacy, and he starts kind of queuing up to like shoot a solo game of pool as he's want to do. Yeah, he does it a lot. Yeah, um, but we learn how he found out because there was a flyer left on his car, I guess. Um, but Clark's not really there about that. He's there about the talent. Like he wants to bring up the talent. And Lex is fully aware, but he thinks that Lana is doing an admirable job and that she, it's kind of up to her to deal with this situation. He's just an investor. I do like that Lex, though, encourages Clark to yeah. run for president and and like for good reason. He's just like, look, you're a person of good moral standing. You're very trustworthy. I think you've got a good like I like that Lex believes in Clark. All the other like investigative bullshit aside he does see clark as like a good person and he backs that kind of thing like he's he's almost like against corruption at this point regardless of how corrupt he is himself yeah well yeah he 
he's impressed. Well, I mean, I think he's also sort of impressed that Clark would uh, think to bring up the talent stuff, but he also talks about the fact that like, you know, he suggests Clark maybe use the slogan that he used when he won class president back in the day. Um, but that he should use his own methods and that the man of tomorrow is forged by his battles today. And another, a nice little drop from the Smallville writers, man of tomorrow being, uh, I don't know if, is it a pseudonym? Yeah. It, it is a term used to describe Superman often in DC comics. So you've got like the man of steel, Superman, mm -hmm. the last son of Krypton, the man of tomorrow. Well, one of what wasn't one of the iterations of like the Superman after the whole death of Superman wasn't one of the Superman that came after that just called the man of tomorrow. Yeah. Was yeah. That not so the there, black, there were the four. black suit Superman. Was it the black suit Superman that was man of tomorrow? Um, I honestly, so there was Superboy. Mm -hmm. I think cyborg Superman was man of tomorrow. Right. Because obviously future tech and yeah. then. The Eradicator was the last son of Krypton. Right. And then um, uh, John Henry Smith, who became Steel, eventually uh, right. was Man of Steel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've read any of that stuff from that era. I but, just remember uh, I had like all four of those comics when those four characters launched. I think I still have them. They're like legitimately shrink wrapped like oxygen taken out of the bags and everything they're not yeah. worth anything <laughs> like, no but i mean that thing is a lot any of the any of the books that i have i've i did read them so like i've still got the infinity gauntlet saga from way back in the day oh yeah absolutely and the uh the the what if of when like silver surfer got the gauntlet instead of thanos and oh stuff like that but um yeah, a lot of my DC stuff got destroyed when my parents' basement flooded. So, yeah, that was unfortunate. Uh, what was the next thing? I, I guess it's the next thing. It's the next day at school. Uh, Chloe is showing up and she's kind of noticing Clark's flyer being around and his new slogan. And she kind of comes in to bag on him a little bit about it. But then Lana comes over to give him some encouragement and say that he has her vote and Chloe just rolls her eyes so fucking hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I've noticed in this episode, maybe more than we've seen so far, how good Allison Mack is at subtle jealousy. Yeah. But she's not subtle enough because Clark notices that Chloe is being kind of a bitch to him. Um, but to her credit, I mean, well, that's how he sees it, but to her credit, she really just wants to know where he stands, like, on on the actual issues. And when questioned on them, he has no idea. Yeah. He doesn't have an actual platform at all. At this point, he does kind of seem like he's running for popularity's sake. Yeah. And then the remainder of the scene is kind of just Pete and him walking down the hallway talking about campaign stuff like he needs to go to this volleyball game to get the jock vote and show up for band practice and all this other stuff and as they're kind of walking by we see sasha tear down one of clark's flyers and kind of stare at him ominously into commercial yeah she's weird um th that character for me for most of the episode is kind of just too over the top yeah because it's 
it's extremely obvious almost immediately that she's the bad guy. Oh, they yeah. Almost, because they, they almost do it like it's almost the rule of Scooby-Doo. The first character who is not a main character that we know in the episode that we see is the bad guy. And it, what it's once again, it's her because she's the first person that Chloe is talking to at the very beginning of the episode. And it just so happens that she's the bad guy. Not just that, though, like they figure it out in this super quick, real quick. Like, it, this is kind of the first time where they have almost no evidence or anything. It's all completely circumstantial, and they're like, that's gotta be what it is, and then they just follow it. It's like, wow, okay. Yeah, Clark has never come at the villain being like, hey, I know what you're up to, ever, really, I think. Yeah, yeah, but it happens in this episode. He just walks up straight up and like, hey, you know what? I'm on to you. And I yeah. kind of like it. Like, I don't, is it, I guess it's character growth because that is something like Superman would do. He does it to Lex all the time. Yeah. Warns him that he's watching him. <laughs> Did we do the, like, have we been to her shack yet? Or that's the next so thing. This, this is actually, that's the next thing I have in my notes is that we head to her campaign headquarters, better known as her parents storage shed. Um, and she kind of tacks Clark's flyer up on her corkboard next to Felice's. And she's kind of asking aloud who the hell they think they are. And then we, but we can hear kind of bees in the background. And it just gets louder and louder. And like, she tells them to shut up and they just kind of pause in midair. Yeah. It's very weird. I do not believe is how bees work. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know if bees are like sharks where like if sharks stop swimming, they die. <laughs> I think bees, bees can hover. No, they must hover because they collect pollen. Wait, but can they control how loud they are? Oh, well, no, because <laughs> I think how loud they are is actually like the sound of their wings, is it not? I believe so. So they, <laughs> none of them fall out of the air, so it's just so weird. <laughs> but the weird CG head they form of her smiling was like a laugh-out-loud moment for me. I don't even know what the point of that was. <laughs> because you have to, like... The way I understand it, she's acting as, like, the queen, which means she can just give, yeah. like, basic instructions to them of, like, attack here, fly there, do this, do... But, sure. like, become a artificial intelligent representation of myself? I'm pretty sure she didn't give that order because she's mad at the bees, and I'm fairly certain the bees didn't go, oh, let's cheer her up, boys. <laughs> they apparently did. It's fucking ridiculous. The CG doesn't lie. Oh, all right. Yeah, but no, it's I laughed pretty hard. I was like, what the fuck? I think that's the first time I turned off the episode. Uh, in um, my attempts to watch it. I kind of understand why. I'll be honest. And then the, like the next time, I think I was trying to watch it and fell asleep. But um, to the uh, over at the torch... Clark comes to ask Chloe for a little help hanging some posters, but she kind of wants to stay impartial, but she's also been looking into her B story. <laughs> uh, B story. It's the B story of the episode. <sighs> oh, indigestion. Yeah. Making you sick. Yeah. Uh, but we, uh, so in her research, she found out from like, I guess local bee experts that ser several colonies in the area have just up and vanished, like just cleared out and no one knows what the hell's happened. Um, which in the modern day, I mean, it's just, those bees are just gone because 
of cell phones. <laughs> um, actually, I think it's like Roundup and Roundup and like <laughs> we're all gonna of get the... sued so badly. Uh, oh fuck Monsanto. Anyway, yeah. Uh, and uh, but no, Clark is like overly excited about the campaign and the popularity and all that, and he wants to get a look at the next edition of the Torch. And Chloe is like desperately trying to get him to not see what it is and we find out why it's because that she has endorsed Paul Chan despite the beasting situation and Clark is such a big baby about it like very uncharacter characteristically well like, i mean number 1 huge props to Chloe for like standing by her convictions like okay. she's going into the election and she's judging it totally based on her politics and her like personal moral code and yeah. she flat out tells Clark look you don't really have a platform he does and I agree with the things he's saying and he like she's not necessarily picking him although this is how Clark sees it she's not picking him over Clark she's picking him over everybody running so there's other people right. involved in this not just Clark Clark is looking at it going oh my friend betrayed me which is it's yeah. just I think it's uh, I, I see it as a little uncharacteristic of, uncharacteristic of Clark just in that like he doesn't get like shitty like this most of the time um, and it it's sort of just like a, a I guess a writer's tool to create a little bit of tension between him and Chloe until later on they just erase it yeah, it does they, get solved pretty quick. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess like good friends do, you get into a fight and then, or a disagreement, and then, you know, you see each other again. It's like, oh, by the way, yeah, I was a dick about that. Sorry. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like, I, I, it struck me as Clark went a little, got just, he was like, no, it's it's cool. I see how it is. And just like stormed out of there. He um, is getting a little uppity though lately, because there was the whole thing with Jonathan. Right. And now Chloe, I wonder who's going to next episode. Maybe he gets all pissy with Pete. I, I, that thing is, I think maybe I'm just remembering him being more like kind of always being kind of steady emotionally where he's kind of not. Oh, he's not. And he, he's going to get worse. Season two, he's all yeah. over the fucking place. Oh my God. But, especially with red. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then um, like, I want to say there was at some point, and it might have already happened or it might happen later in the episode, but like Clark legitimately smiles like he's happy. His eyes light up. It's like a real honest to God smile yeah. of, of like happiness. And I was like, wow, that's really nice to see like a, a smile like that on Clark's face. And I think I realized that he's not as happy in yeah. this series as maybe I thought he was or I remembered him being. Like, for some reason, yeah. I remembered Clark being this happy-go-lucky guy, but he's really not. He's fucking stressed out all the time. Yeah, yeah, he kind of is. Uh, so, they uh, Pete and Clark stop over at the Talon um, to take advantage of the two-for-one deal. And, like, there's, like, a table of kind of jocks that are there that Lana says were kind of, like, like Whitney brought them. That's the only reason why the place isn't completely empty. And she makes kind of a weird kind of comment about it being the last step before instituting topless waitressing. <laughs> like, 
That doesn't sound like a Lana thing to say. No. But. Also, she abandons that idea far too easily. Yeah, I mean, why not? In, I mean, I mean, well, she is still in high school. <laughs> look, <laughs> look. Uh, I mean, like, like, like they say uh, later on, you got to go to the mattresses, right? Yeah, this is when they start shitting on the Godfather, and I'll have <laughs> you know, kids, if you haven't watched the Godfather. It is a masterpiece of cinema. That being said, Godfather 2, way better. Way better film. Godfather 2 is fantastic. Skip the Godfather, watch Godfather. In fact, you could probably... I was going to say, I think you can watch Godfather 2 and then watch the Godfather. I think you can do them backwards if you wanted to. I think if you really don't care at all, you can just watch Godfather 2. Um... Probably. <laughs> so just a really quick, like we're just going to do a sidebar here. Welcome to the Godfather right. cast. Godfather right. one, mm. the Godfather, uh, Vito Corleone is the head of the family in Godfather one. And it's kind of, uh, Michael Corleone's coming of age story, yeah. uh, coming of age, meaning taking over the family. Godfather two is the story of Vito coming to America and him taking over uh, how he grew to power and, and yeah. essentially created, took over the family. So very good. Very good. Both mo- movies, very good. But I like part yeah. two because it's De Niro and Pacino. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that thing is, it's weird. Like, cause they really go in on the Godfather in this, in this episode. They, like really? I mean, the weird thing is they start out by like, Oh, all these old people always quoting the Godfather and making fun of it and shitting on it. And then they all, by the end of the episode are quoting the Godfather. Cause it's funny. Like right after they say that, like Lex shows up and like Lana is like despairing and asks him for an adv- some advice, and he makes a direct go- Godfather quote, and she's just like, man, you, this guy too? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if they were, like, rolling their eyes or, like, doing the little winky-winky nod thing, like, see, old people, but I'm like, Lex is literally, like, six 25 years, years old, old. you guys. Yeah, he's 25 years old at most. So. Yeah. Or if they're and, just like, we just can't yeah. get away from the Godfather. Yeah. But, yeah, she, uh, but... He basically just tells her that, like, she needs to get creative and she needs to be prepared to get her hands dirty, really. Um, so we get this scene outside the school where it's like a crowd of students milling around and a lot of them are wearing uh, Felice's uh, pink pin. Um, and it looks like she's doing pretty well numbers-wise. Uh, and Sasha approaches her and asks for a minute to talk and Felice is just kind of walking away from her and kind of it's kind of a walk and talk and um felice is pretty dismissive but sasha is like i've made a decision um i've decided that you're gonna bow out of this race and like felice is like oh yeah really tell me how that's gonna work and sasha makes some allusions toward the school being kind of like a hive of bees with two queens and how that one always needs to go down um and yeah, Felice is just like, yeah, whatever, you're a freak, and just gets into her, her car. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure at the time, like when I was younger, I was totally on like B girl's side in that whole like argument, mm-hmm. although it was like really forced writing. Yeah. But this time I'm watching it, and I'm like, you know what, cheerleader's right. This girl is weird. Yeah, she just comes over and just like starts talking about how she's gonna bow out because of bees. Yeah, nah. yeah, exactly. Like, okay. Uh, it's like, actually, no, 
but yeah, she gets in her car and uh, like as she kind of as she's doing that, Sasha's like, well, uh, at least I tried asking nicely. And then uh, the next scene, this this scene, this next scene is funny because like it just cuts to Lex uh, getting a massage and it's his, it's his face in like the massage bed um, and he goes to talk to his usual masseuse and it's not her, but uh, Ms. Castle is back. Um, and, but he kind of just weirdly lays back down and just keeps getting the massage. I, th- I <laughs> thought that was like the most baller move in the world. Like, fuck it. Yeah. I mean, you were doing a good job before this. You keep going. We're not done yet. Yeah. And, but the thing is, he's like, yeah, he again, kind of comments, uh, commends her for her persistence. Um, and she like takes that as, oh, I can grab my recorder now. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. He's like, I paid for an hour. And uh, I, I have I have a note here that says, gotta wonder, does that massage stay above the towel? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's any happy endings in Smallville. I can't tell you. I do. It, it's such a baller move, though. Like, uh, you're not done yet. Yeah. Lex is totally quid pro quo on this one. Like, I get my hour. You interrupted my massage. I'll give you your fucking interview. I don't give a shit. But you finish this right now. If you're going to be this underhanded, I'm going to make you use those hands. Exactly. Yeah. You can be overhanded. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we like that scene kind of intercuts the because we go back to the school and Principal Kwan is making his way through the parking lot in his car when he's blocked uh, by a white Volkswagen Beetle, which we saw Felice get into. Um, and he's honking his horn. He can't get her to move. And he, so he gets up to investigate and we can hear like music coming from her car and her windows have like a dark tint. So you can't see in at all. Um, and he opens the door and she is just covered. Her entire head is covered in bees. Every part of flesh that would be exposed on this poor girl is covered in bees and she falls out of the, 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 the car. car and lands with a like shocking thud on the concrete and then and just twitches there that's the whole thing i was like is she like you would part of me is like okay she's dead whatever the bee has killed the girl but then she like slowly is moving back and forth it's not even like a quick twitch it's like this, no, slow, this slow agonizing thing and i'm like oh my god is she fucking alive still <laughs> my that's... other note here is like this happens and if I'm this dude, I quit my fucking job today. <laughs> the principal, yeah. All the shit he has seen, I'd be like, I'm done. I'm done here. This fucking weird-ass school can burn. I'm going to rehire that burning coach. Yeah, it's it's almost as bad as in Buffy, where like the, the principal in Buffy has just got to be like, Jesus Christ. It's just, it is, it's such a terrifying thought that she's still alive. I just yeah. can't even deal with the fact. And like, she is still alive folks. Yeah. Like she, they talk about her through the rest of the episode. She, she, they just like, Oh, she got it way, way worse than the other dude that was running. But she, right. but, like she's in hospital recovering. I can't even imagine. Whew. Yeah, no, they say, actually, I think it's in the, actually the very next scene where Clark and Peter are working on campaign stuff and Chloe comes over and like things have gotten tense enough that Pete's like, Oh, better, better say no comment so she can't use, so she can't misquote you. 
Um, and uh, but they try to get off the subject because Clark asks Chloe what he knows about Felice, and Chloe tells them that she's at the medical center, but she was stung way worse and is in a coma. And then this is where they're just like, you know who it is then. Yeah. Like yeah, they pretty much. immediately like, okay, so two people running for class president have been targeted, so it must be the weird girl. Yeah. Well, they do they do like a weird uh they do kind of like a explanation of sorts because apparently she had an accident last year where she was attacked by a whole hive of bees. Um and I think late, later on we find out that it was in like the deepest crater in town. Oh, okay. Cause I have a note later on. I must've totally missed that. Cause I have a note going, is this the first time we meet someone who has a power who didn't, it, that doesn't involve kryptonite. Cause I don't remember it ever being brought up, but okay. If it was in, in, in a crater or something, that makes sense then. Yeah. And like, it's like, they're, they're done talking about this here, but like, in then the very next scene, like Clark is at his locker and closes his locker and there she is. Um, and she suggests that with kind of Felice out of the picture that maybe that he bow out because then she can run things and the election is basically in the bag and whatever. And he just comes back at her like, so what about democracy and the people's right to choose? Um, and she gets a little aggressive about it. And he, it's weird because he gets this kind of smirk, almost like a sneer on his face. And he's like, sure sounds like a threat. Well, I, 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 part of me kind of likes Gutsy Clark. Yeah. Because he does like, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound like democracy to me. And then she kind of like, she makes some kind of snide comment about. He's making a big mistake. What yeah. democracy is like a, a romantic like thought or something. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it is, but she she essentially poo-poos the thought of democracy where it's like, well, that's kind of counterintuitive to what you're trying to do here. Right. And then I like his whole like, 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 we know <laughs> we've been told. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I actually like, I'm using it in a sentence this time. It's not just filler. No. I like the fact that Clark. Stop saying um, it knows that like her power is bees and he's like what are you gonna fucking sting me yeah so he gets caught like, about it he's like smiling like yeah whatever yeah. send your fucking bees lady and that's the thing is all it really does is put him directly in her crosshairs like as if he wasn't already but he really is now uh and kind of much like a lot of the meteor freaks of the week She's got, like, a real touch of the crazy at this point. Like, in this point, like, she does something, like, the actress does something with her eyes, and she looks bug nuts. Like, she looks insane when she's, like, staring back after he's, like, kind of walked away. Like, the seething look in her eyes is just, like, real crazy. Yeah, um, like I said, yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember seeing this actress in anything else. Uh, I kind of enjoy her i guess but she's she's way too cartoony for me i didn't really do any research like i did very little research on this episode in terms of like actresses and and what they've went on to do in terms of like the extra people um yeah i didn't look into anybody either Uh, i know we were talking before we recorded this about the fact that there have been a number of uh bee powered bee controlling um villains in the dc universe uh there's like the uh 
Queen or Empress of Bialya in the Young Justice cartoons. Uh, there's yeah. Queen Bee. There's there's a couple people that go by the name Queen Bee as time uh, goes, goes on. on. And we but were wondering if this was um, an interpretation of one of those characters. If if she shared the same name with, say, someone that had appeared in the comic books or or like a reoccurring villain in the comics. She does not. I did research yeah. that. She she's just like her own independent thing. But it does seem to be kind of a recurring um, uh, power set. Yeah. That just keeps showing up in in DC stuff because it's in the comics. It's happened here. There is a, a B girl shows up. I I want to say in Flash. Um, yeah, she does for sure. So, yeah. But yeah, so um, I think it's the next it's the next scene. Like it's pretty much the very next scene. Uh, uh, they're at the Talon. Like Clark's at the Talon with Lana. Um, and Lana's helping with his speech or trying to, um, and he's trying to give her some encouragement about what's to what she needs to do with the Talon. Um, but Lana starts hearing noises, and Clark uses X-ray vision, and we see like the bees just filling the ducting. And uh, he rushes her over to a closet, and as he's throwing her in there, she's like, what about you? <laughs> the thing is, okay, I don't think it's a closet. I think it's a phone booth, because he shuts it, and it looks like it has glass doors. And oh. this is maybe the most irresponsible Clark has been with his super speed thus far. Because he doesn't even step away from the doors before he's full-on super speed. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember the door if the door is is see-through or has like a glass window or something on it. I think it is glass because I'm almost sure he shuts it and you see Lana and this would be the excuse as to why she doesn't see him. But you see her like cover her head and then like um, crouch down. Right. Okay. Yeah, that kind of rings a bell a little bit. Clark basically just uses his speed right away. Um, oh, yeah. And he gets... He kind of waits around a corner, and the bees kind of cartoonishly speed past him. And this kind of confuses me, because, number one, we'll go back to Clark being uh, cocky with, um, what's her name? When you, yeah. you said, well, this Clark being cocky essentially puts him in the crosshairs of this, uh, of the Queen Bee here. Yeah. Um, maybe that was Clark's intention. Maybe that's why he was being cocky, is he's just like, I'm going to prove it's you. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of, he believes he has at this point. So like he... like two hours later, he gets attacked into Talon. And my thought before was like he was being cocky because what are you going to do, throw some bees at me? Well, she throws some bees at him, and then he runs and hides. Yeah. Well, I mean, that thing is he runs and hides, and but then he uses that fire extinguisher to kill off a huge number of her bees. Within like 30 seconds. And the the floor is just littered in that like that's that side room or wherever he is, he's at is just littered with their corpses like a supply room or something. Yeah. But like is. Is he afraid of them or is he's just leading them? Because it seemed to me like he's running away. But I guess maybe you could interpret that he's just trying to lead them away from Lana. Yeah, because it seems like he led them there specifically to use the fire extinguisher on them. I guess that makes sense because he does hide behind that door. Right. Which, like you said, is so cartoony that they're just like like a wily coyote kind of thing. Oh, yeah. where did he go? Keep going this yeah. way, boys. 
Yeah, yeah. Like they run out into space where there's no ground left and they're like, oh, hold out the sign. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, yeah, like he just kills a shitload of bees here. Um, and then uh, we cut over to the Kent farm and Lana and Clark are at, like on his porch. Um, and she did get stung a couple times, at least. Um, Clark is, but Clark is actually open about his theory on Sasha though. And that he believes that she's controlling the bees and, and Lana should be a lot more surprised, but I guess she's been through some shit by this point. I think it's at this point, the weird thing is when, to me anyway, anyone within like the general vicinity of Clark, Clark, the Kents, Mm -hmm. Chloe, Pete, Lana, maybe even Whitney. Any of those people questioning any of the weird shit that happens in Smallville? That, to me, is more suspect. Yeah. Like, when, like, Ryan can read minds? What are you talking about? That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. Your son is alien. When they find things strange after all the shit that they've seen. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, finding it strange is fine. Dismissing it outright is what bothers me. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's sort of what I meant, but I I just worded it wrong. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think I can't remember what what the, else the, the best here. part of this scene in in my opinion is um this is where Lana kind of talks sense to Clark, where yeah. he he makes some kind of like not really snippy but like just an offhanded comment of. Yeah, well, I mean, Chloe endorsed what's his name over me, so blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, Clark, that's, like, that's great. She should. And this is why you should totally respect that. And it's, I guess, like, Lana does a lot of thinking for Clark in this episode. Yeah, well, she says something to the effect of, like, uh, if he is really out, if he's really in this to support his friends, then he should support his friends. Yes. And that he should understand that, you know, she's just being objective and she made their best choice for her. Which is, yeah, and good good for Lana, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then Clark, uh, I think, goes over to Sasha's place to take a look around. And he's snooping around, but uh, somebody even snoopier than he got there first and him and Chloe, like Chloe sneaks up on him because people are always sneaking up on people. It's pretty funny because Clark's like breaking, breaking and entering because that's apparently what you do in Smallville when you're bored. Yeah. But two things here. Okay. So Clark's breaking and entering into a building Mm -hmm. and I know they're playing it for comedy because they do this whole thing where Clark looks around and he breaks in and goes, closes the door really quietly, turns around and Chloe's like, Hey, what's going on? Like standing right there. Like, Hey, how's it going? And now the beat, it didn't like, I don't think it was directed very well as a comedy beat. It should have been like, it's a good joke. They, I just don't think it landed very well. Yeah. And then I started questioning, like if you were Clark and you were going to break in somewhere, wouldn't you use your x-ray vision to make sure no one was in there before you did it? Yeah. You don't see like a Chloe skeleton hiding behind the canoe or something. Exactly. But yeah. And at this point he's able to tell who people are via by their skeletons too. So like he would, he would have known that it was Chloe potentially. Um, 
probably could have identified a couple breaks for when she fell out the window that couple weeks back. Right. Yeah. That she's totally fine now. But you know, <laughs> uh, they th- but they take this moment to kind of bury the hatchet about the election endorsement and all that other crap. Um, and Clark notices he's being dripped on, and then they realize that it's honey. And like a moment later, Chloe like uses her flashlight to find this enormous hive growing in the ceiling. And it, it's it's CG and it it's really kind of It's just kind of an amorphous blob. Yeah. yeah. But we you get what it is. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean I think it most of it is being sold on the rough color of it. The fact that it's yeah. all individual particles and the fact that it goes bzzz. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But uh Chloe's theory is that Sasha is emitting a pheromone that allows her to control the bees as if she were the queen. Um, and that she must have picked it up during her accident, which occurred at a place called Schuster's Gorge, which is apparently the deepest crater in town, according to my note that I have here. Um, but uh, that's kind of... I, I mean, that just allows it to be linked to it links it to uh, meteor sh- meteor shit, pretty much. It, so they do like mention the meteor in there because I do remember the Schuster's Gorge thing. That I think it's just the point. The Schuster's Gorge thing is connected because they talk about it being a a crater. So my assumption is because it's a crater. It's going to have meteor fragments. Fair enough. Fair enough. And also, I feel dumb right now because I didn't piece together until this discussion that Schuster's Gorge is named after one of the co-creators of Superman. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I did get that, but uh, it was after I had typed it and I was like, uh, right. I told like, I, I remember them saying it during the show and I must have been taking notes or something at the time um, mm. and it just didn't like really dawn on me and you said it and it wasn't until I repeated it back to you that I was like oh Joel Schuster huh yeah there's a, a kind of there's I think there's only two more scenes between Lex and uh, Carrie Castle and this one is at the Talon uh, Lex kind of quickly reveals that he uh, he's been snooping and found out her article is kind of a hatchet job. Um, and he wants it to go away. And he believes that Lionel has put her up to it. And she's kind of insulted. And she says she's going to use it to make a name for herself. And that she's not as easily bought as his whore at the Inquisitor. And then, like, she walks away and he's just pissed because he he played it wrong and she didn't kind of take the threat. Like she kind of walked over it. But my only note here is um, at this point, you'd think Lex got played, but let's mm-hmm. just sit back and see how things unfold. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's one of those things. And they do this a lot in Smallville where it's like some way mid through the, the, the episode it looks like Lex totally just got his ass handed to him or he's screwed. He'll never get out of this now. 
Just, and he does. Yeah, just wait can. and see. Just wait and yeah. see. Yeah. If even if there's five minutes left in the episode, just wait and see. This ain't your pappy's Lex Luthor. He knows what he's doing. No, this is this isn't your Gene Hackman. Uh, yeah. Thank God. No offense to uh, anybody that loves that Lex, but I. Ugh. I hate. I hate it. I can't stand I Hackman's Lex Luthor. Cannot stand it. That's actually why I like Superman three because there's no Lex Luthor in it. And Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor's in it. And then there's just drunk Superman. I love that Superman's evil act in that is to go and straighten the Leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> like, fucking... What the fuck? What a dick. <laughs> and the guy the guy who's making all the statues is like, ah, bopping a boopy. And yeah, like, he smashing like smashes them. all the Leaning Tower ones he has. And then he builds a whole bunch of standing, like, straight up Tower of Pisa's. And then Superman <laughs> comes back and corrects it. And he fixes it when he's good again. Oh, Christ. Superman 3, guys, is a buried gem. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. So, I actually, Richard Pryor's really good in it. Oh, God, it's... Man. And and that's where uh, Annette O'Toole is Lana Lang. So, go, go watch oh, it. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, man. We'll also be bringing up Superman 3 again. Uh, in a couple episodes, and you'll see why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, popular place for ambushes, this barn, because, uh, uh, Sasha's sneaking around at the Kent farm and gets snuck up, snuck up on by Clark. Um, and Clark tells Sasha he's planning, uh, on dropping out of the race, and she starts going into her spiel about it being his correct decision for the school because she's the only one who could really be a good leader. Um, and he's just like, yeah, um, but uh, I can just see that you'll do whatever it takes to win, including putting other people in a hospital. And he's just kind of defiant again. But um, she's just kind of like, yeah, there's no way you could really prove it. And even if you could prove it, no one could stop me. And he's like, I could stop you and pretty much dares her to try using her powers, but he doesn't, she doesn't end up using them on him. She ends up, we cut to the field and Martha driving the tractor. It's a, it's a little weird that she decides to go after Martha. Like, I mean, I understand you're going after someone close to Clark to get to Clark, but I don't understand how she all of a sudden has decided not to go after Clark directly. Because she, she she says something or alludes to something um, like, Clark, maybe my bees can't hurt you, but blah, blah, blah. And my, I just don't understand how she got to that point. Did the bees tell her? Yeah, if any of the bees survive the encounter with him, maybe they they now know that they can't, that she he can't be stung somehow. Oh, okay. I have okay. no idea. I'll buy into that. Again, yeah, because again, she shouldn't really know. Um, but she she does somehow. Um, there's kind of like a funny scene, though, because like Martha's running away from the bees. And as Clark is running to rescue her, there's like a really quick scene where she's running, but she's kind of turning and leaping backward as the bees are like coming at her. And I, I want to see that scene moving in a regular speed where Martha is just running straight and then turns around to get a face full of bees. 
I, I'm, I, I'm trying to figure that out too. Like, what was her plan at that point? Yeah. And I actually wanted to see how they filmed that because, to me, it looks like the background is not CG or anything. It looks like they actually filmed it. So, yeah. was she just told to run and then just Annette at some point um, just spin okay. around and fall on your ass? Yeah. There's got to be a crash pad there somewhere. You would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is I might have like my most dickish note so far on mm. this. It was like uh, it's just like run, Martha, run. Oh wow, I, there you know. There's probably another Martha out there who could really learn to uh, uh, dodge fast-moving projectiles. Uh, oh, sorry. Too soon, Mrs. Wayne. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it's tasteless. Tasteless oh, DC tasteless. joke. No one's gonna get that. No, nobody. Nobody. Man, oh man, why would you? Why would you do that, Martha? So, <laughs> I fucking love that movie. I don't give a shit what anybody says, and I, I like. I totally make fun of the bad parts of it. But. Yeah, or, or did we just become best friends? <laughs> I think we did. Yup, yup. <laughs> it, it's stepbrothers, but Superman and and Batman, basically. Uh, but, uh, Clark, Clark grabs Martha and runs her to the, uh, the storm cellar and like Martha's like, what the hell's going on? Like, what is going on with bees? With I've bees? never seen bees act like that. Really? Yeah. yeah. They do. Yeah. I mean, that's actually almost exclusively how bees act. If they're not just like making honey and going about their business and you fuck with their hive, that's exactly how they I act. I saw this spring, I think it was in, I think it was like the beginning of May, I saw a car when the front, like, passenger side fender was just covered in bees, like hundreds I've seen, of I've seen, like, video of stuff like that on the internet, where someone, like, runs over a hive, or their car has maybe been, um, uh like just uh, like parked for a long time or whatever. And bees decide that, Hey, this looks like a good place to build a hive. And uh, they unknowingly drive away. Yeah. And then the next thing, you know, like an entire fender or side of the car is just covered in bees. Well, yeah. In this situation, I think it was sort of like one of those things where it's like the bees are migrating to a new spot and they all kind of decide this is where we're going to stop for our pit stop. Cause it was in a shaded, like it was, uh, like in front of some bushes and a tree. And so it was really shady. And I was just happened to be walking by like while I was working and I just could hear, I could hear the bees through my headphones. Ugh. And like, I was close enough. Like I walked within five feet of them and none of them got off the car. I'm like not afraid of bees. I just would not fuck with them. No, you know what I mean? I, if, if I had known I was walking into that situation, I would have crossed the street. I think, I, I think because I, I might have heard this, that there's certain, I don't know if it's every bee species, but there are certain um, subclasses of bees, <laughs> I guess. I don't, how do you, you got like, like queen like, and then like the drones. Rogues and, rogues and barbarians. and Yeah, yeah, sure. You've yeah. got cleric bees that, uh, there's so there's certain types of bees that if they die, they mm. send out a pheromone and it's super, super powerful, which essentially alerts the entire hive. Like we're in a fight right now and the entire hive goes on like attack mode. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think that's 
Yeah, kind that's why you don't you, you don't you like, don't want to get like stung by like one bee. Happens. So for a farmer's wife, or I guess farmer herself, because she is driving the tractor, yeah. for a farmer to like look around and go, uh, I've never seen bees act like that. Well, okay, well maybe you don't raise bees, but you should realize that that's how bees act. And then right. to be like surprised that they went after her. Well, maybe you ran over their hive with your tractor. Maybe, yeah. I wouldn't like jump to conclusions about a a, 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 a flock She's, of a swarm He's coming after yeah. me. I'd have just that's been like, thing, though. she sees them coming from so far away. It's a giant and, cloud. Yeah. Um, and then she kind of just jumps off the tractor and runs away. But um, we go back over to Sasha's shed, and so she gets she comes in and she turns around and Clark is just standing there, and she starts making threats again. Um, saying like, you know, this time it's going to be the students that are going to be, uh, in trouble because I'm going to be making my acceptance speech. Um, and so she, but she's getting like more and more upset and she starts to begin to explain that her parents told her that there were only two types of people, either leaders and or followers, and that they expect her to be a leader. Um, we start to see that the swarm, uh, is no longer under her control. And this is, I guess this was part of their plan earlier on, but I must've missed it. Cause I remember them or Chloe saying something to, to the, the effect of like, if we can get her to she alter something, then the bees will be like, Oh, she's not the queen. Right. So is it that yeah. like, if, if they get her, their upset, loyalty, yeah, their loyalty is only to a point because they're only following the pheromone really. Yeah, and if they get her to, in a certain mood, I guess, it'll alter her pheromones, and they'll be like, oh, no, this is, she's just crazy. Oh, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know if they know how they can trigger it, but they just hope that they can find a way. Oh, okay. Um, but then they do, and then, of course, like, the bees, there's so many of them that they can apparently break, like, the windows. And so, like, the the shed is just, like, sh the air is full of shards of glass. Because, like, every jar and everything that's made of glass in this place is just exploding around them. Um, and Clark is, like, looking around for something to do. And his plan, his <laughs> fucking insane plan, is, is to so throw, throw a fucking screwdriver into a pile of... Uh, of propane bottles. Not one. Not one propane a tank. Pile. A bunch of them. <laughs> and the explosion like he just like well i'm just gonna try to jump on her and cover her so it, that we can survive this enormous explosion <laughs> it's probably the funniest thing is it's probably the biggest explosion in smallville so far it is and it's like, just this tiny little shed and clark like is just winging it like oh this girl might not survive but i'm just gonna jump on top of her yeah, he just fucking throws it and jumps on her, and it's just like, the explosion is so cartoonishly huge. <laughs> it is gigantic. It's so good. I, like, my jaw dropped, because right before this, the screwdriver hits the propane tank, I'm like, whoa, wait, is this the plan? <laughs> and then I wrote, it explodes. I actually, I actually like, wrote down, I actually wrote down, as plans go, this is maybe the craziest thing Clark has ever done. <laughs> It's so fucking great. <laughs> I just can't get over how dumb and like not thought out it is at all. It's like a drone strike. It just fucking obliterates this poor girl's garage. 
a drone strike. Oh, I'm laughing so hard my head hurts. <laughs> so she survived. Yeah. But oh she, my god. But, but she but she survived. She survived and Clark's just like, "Well, I guess I better get you to the hospital." How and like how does this chick now not question Clark's immortality for the rest of her life? Right, exactly. And hey, remember that time you blew up my barn with the power of four nukes? And yeah. just walked away? I'm surprised the rest of the whole property didn't go up. Because, like, the fucking house next to it is just blasted just, by the... It's like, oh, man. It was like a fucking meth house in Florida with a bad cook. Just epic proportions of explosion. Yeah, enormous. Oh. And of course, their clothes completely, completely fine. Totally fine. Yeah, the most fireproof clothes in the world sold are sold in Smallville. Right. Uh, oh fuck! And I'm sorry, then, yeah. I'm literally like tears in my eyes. I don't know why that. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I can picture it perfectly. Like it's just an. It's ridiculous. so absurd. <laughs> anyway. Uh. I guess over at the Talon, because the Talon was going to be where the kind of wrap-up party was going to be after the election. And we find out that uh, with Felice and Sasha both out of the race, um, Clark actually loses to Paul Chan. Um, but Chloe does commend Clark on his ability to take the loss because it shows kind of some good leadership quality to be able to do that. Um, and Lex... Kind of, Lex is there too, and he's talking to Lana about how she turned things around, and she uh, she used a little bit of like some connections from like a vendor, and then through Chloe's connections uh, to kind of run a smear campaign against the Beanery because they've got a number of health code violations. And Lex is like, "Nice, you went to the mattresses." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um I I I got a couple notes here. This is where um well number 1 got to find me a girl that supports me in my failures the way Chloe supports Clark in his. Yeah, yeah. Chloe's just solid. Just yeah. awesome. Uh and the, in is this where or maybe it was earlier. I think it was earlier when Chloe was like, "Well, what is your platform?" and Clark was like, "Yeah, you know, truth, justice and other stuff. Other stuff. Yeah. Um, this was around the time where DC started dropping the American way kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I won't get into why, but there was definitely international politics in it. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. But, uh, uh, and then Clark and Lex start talking and Lex gives his condolences about the loss of the election. Um, but Clark decides that a life of politics isn't for him, but he asks if Lex ever thought about a life in politics and Lex uh, makes his illusions that maybe one day he'd like to be president. Yeah. You, okay. <laughs> so direct nod to the hourglass episode. Uh-huh. But and, also uh, crisis on infinite earths part two an episode of TV that happens 20 years later. Mm hmm. We'll get to that when we get to that. But very soon. Yeah, very, uh, very, very good. Very good moment. Um, and then, of course, like in DC Comics, like there's been many times where Lex has been shown to be president 
or like been part of a presidential race. But most of the time he wins. So he's he he wins. He's um uh I the most memorable for me is Lex being president uh being impeached, found guilty of something, arrested. Right. And then he uh somehow like doesn't exonerate himself, but like rehabilitate rehabilitates while in prison, and then runs for president and wins his second term. <laughs> it was a very weird long stretch of DC Comics. I was like, um, okay, sure. You've you've got to think that uh, somewhere in like the top drawer of Donald Trump's uh, desk, he's got that comic. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, it's I'm totally gonna possible. do it. Lex did it. I'm Lex Luthor. That's why he doesn't shave his head. Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, that would be... Mm. Anyway, yeah, it's that's a little too close. A little too close. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, the universe is getting weird, man. Uh, uh, we, are, we are in the Miri universe, for sure. Like, we are, we are, the, we, we are the darkest timeline. We are um, the darkest timeline. Yeah, at least we'll have fun. Um... Uh, we cut back over to over to the mansion, um, and uh, Lex has invited uh, Miss Castle back, and they're in the library. And he comes down, and he's, you know, she's like on her toes and on her guard, like she's gonna record their entire conversation. But uh, Lex is gonna try to talk her out of running out of her story. Um, by offering her a corner office and a new position as the managing editor of the paper she works for. Um, and he says, and if you don't take it, uh, you can just take your regular job. You can run your article. And if you do take it, then you do have something to blackmail you over. Mm-hmm. Um, which I get is, I mean, it's basically, I suppose, just Lex outbidding Lionel. Yeah. And you know we I mean? get like, oh, my dad's going to make you a reporter at this paper. Great. I'll make you editor at this one. Right. Exactly. And she, uh, she makes, uh, our, our final, uh, Godfather, uh, reference for the episode when she says that she'll tell Lionel she got an offer that she couldn't refuse. And then they shake hands. And they yeah. look at each other and they smirk mm-hmm. in a way that can only allude to the fact that they are gonna fuck. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a prelude to sex handshake if I ever saw one. Absolutely. Like it's soft and tender. And they're looking mm. into each other's eyes and there's a smirk. And I'm not saying that it's happening because no, I'm just, you know, I actually am just saying it's happening because they're two hot people and they're going to fuck. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's just the they way hot it. people deal with life. Yeah. I hate them. They're like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate them. You said that like with such like, oh, fuck, fuck them. I just want to be part of the club, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we can dream. We can dream and lift. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the last, yeah, again, the final scene is, uh, one of those ones where it's like Clark's at the, he's up in the loft and he's taking down his posters and shutting down his, uh, his campaign headquarters. Uh, Lana shows up and, uh, he kind of 
kind of congratulates her on the busy talent and she kind of admits that even though she had to choose between doing the right thing and being successful, she kind of liked being underhanded. Um, and then she asks if Clark ever finished his speech. And he did. But, uh, and he's like, not that anyone will ever hear it. Um, yeah. And she's yeah. just like, oh, I'll listen to it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so she kind of just takes a seat and the the we we get kind of the scene of he's starting to read it and i was listening to the words but it basically was just him talking in circles a little bit as because like as he's starting to talk the camera is kind of going out the window of the loft and then goes up pans up to the moon yeah yeah and that's the end of the episode and my final note is well okay then yeah that was and that pretty much sums up my feelings about this episode. Look, there's a couple cool things happen. Uh, Lex maybe gets a happy ending. And then there is, like, the funniest explosion ever. Yeah, and like I said, like, I was dreading this episode when you were talking about it earlier. I'm like, this is going to suck. It's going to take forever to get through it. I'm not going to enjoy it. But there was enough enjoyable ridiculousness in it that I was like, yeah, okay, sure. So this is... So Lex knows whenever Clark is going to show up because I assume Lex's butlers are letting him in. But he doesn't know that a stranger is massaging him. Sure, whatever. The fact that he continues to get the massage from this total stranger, total baller move. Yeah. Um, The explosion is the greatest thing ever. I just, it's so stupidly (laughs) over the top. I love it so much. And then you get Lex essentially saying, ah, yeah, I mean, one day I think I'll probably run for president. And he does. Yeah. And he wins. And he wins. And the fact that it was like, we didn't get to see Rosenbaum, but the fact that it was alluded to. Yeah. Great. Just fucking fantastic. And again, I mean, we'll get there when, uh, when we get there. Yeah. So, I mean, I like, if I had to like grade this episode, I suppose I'd give it a solid B. Ugh. I give. Uh, we promised. I mean, all I can say is I'm glad this is over because there won't be any more bee puns. Uh, it's true. This episode, though, it was the bee's knees. Ugh. 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 Okay, let's find out what's happening so we can stop this. What Bad is bee. happening, Paul, on the next episode? Episode 19, Crush. After a hit-and-run accident that destroys his drawing hand, a cartoonist is left with bitterness, pain, and an unexpected gift of telekinesis that he turns into an instrument of revenge. That doesn't sound familiar at all. It's the one with Adam Brody. Oh, Adam Brody's in? Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy a good telekinesis story. Yeah. Whether or not this is a good one, we'll find out. I mean, we we can only find out by watching it and then coming back to talk about it. Because that's what uh, we do. So we will end with this, ladies and gents. Uh, it is 11.01 on December 18th. This was episode 18. Oh, 18.18. Look at that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
this will be the final episode we're going to upload during the calendar year 2019. Um, we've had a lot of fun coming into the new year. We'll wrap up the season really quick because I believe there's only three episodes left. Yeah, yeah, three left. Um, and if you haven't yet, if you haven't noticed, but if you're subscribed, I would hope you noticed, uh, we dropped our first episode of uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, we are doing the five-part episodes. Those will come out as well in the new year. We are going to try to keep to our two episodes per week as the crisis event unfolds. And that should lead us into about the fourth week of uh, January when everything is finally resolved and settled on that front. And then roughly a little bit after that, we'll be starting uh, season two of the Somebody Save Us podcast. Yeah, so um, I guess for for the release schedule, th- there will be an episode released. Like, this episode is going to be... You're going to be hearing this on Monday the 23rd. Yep. But after that, the next episode won't be for... It'll be two weeks, basically. Like, it, I think it's it, like it's January sixth or something like that. Jan- yeah, January sixth will be the next time you hear back, um, and that will be. I, th- I believe that will be. Uh, you'll have an episode of Save Somebody Save Us, and then you'll have our bonus on Crisis on Infinite Earths Part Two that week. Exactly. Um, and uh, we would be putting out our episode three of Crisis during the same week that parts four and five air on TV. Yeah. Which means so. for the two weeks preceding or or proceeding four and five, we'll have four and five the next two weeks after that. Yeah. If it sounds convoluted, just stick with us. We'll 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 be fine. Um I think um just on like a final note for the year, I know we kind of poo-pooed it at the beginning of the episode, but sincerely from myself and Paul, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Yeah. Um, deep felt thank you um, to everybody who has subscribed, everybody who's listened to the show. We super, super appreciate it. I think we've grown faster than we expected. Um, we're not doing crazy numbers, but we've got a very solid listener base. Um, we're very close to a thousand listens in total. Um and I, I mean, I have a lot of fun doing this. I think Paul has a lot of fun doing this. And the feedback we're getting from people is that people have a lot of fun joining us on this journey. So just, uh, again, huge, huge thank you. Uh, uh, very warm and cuddly appreciation. Yeah, we, we, we love our listeners. Thanks, guys. And uh, I guess until 2020, somebody save us.